Good morning. It is September 22nd at 2.39 a.m. Pacific Coast time. So we are Sunday morning. We're about uh, eight hours away from NFL kickoffs for you people all over the, I guess, all over the country or, but I guess, even all over the world. Um, this is Dean Larratt, and you are listening to Bedtime Stories with Dr. Dean. And uh, I'm going to get started uh, very uh, shortly. I just want to once again, I guess, extend an apology and a thank you for the people that are still listening to me. I am still blown away by the number of viewership, I guess, or viewers, even though it's not a viewing, it's a listening, um, that I'm still getting for... uh, for my podcast, you know, I've always been told by certain uh, friends of mine, I uh, got to do podcasts one one to two a week, one to two a week. And once again, I fell back into the habit. Usually there's a great excuse as to why, um, but uh, I fell back into the habit of I haven't done this, uh, a podcast in two days shy of a month. So um I'm I'm blown away by the support that I get in this podcast. I, I, I when I check the numbers on this on uh, Anchor.com, I'm just blown away that people are finding this somewhat interesting. To go, eh, I, this guy I don't hear from him for a month, but hey, excuse me, but you know something, I, I like listening to him, so, uh, so I'm going to give it a shot again, and I, I seem to be averaging about the same viewership. So it just boggles my mind that, that people are coming back and listening to this, and uh, I can't thank you enough for that. It's great. And, and some of the DMs that I get from literally around the world, Australia, United Kingdom, I find it amazing, amazing that uh, people are listening. So, uh, And I'm still sticking on my journey uh, in this podcast, which is I want you people to know who I am. And since I'm not famous... Uh, and, and most of you do not know who I am. A good portion of you do not know who I am. Um, I want to give you the quote-unquote Cliff Notes version of my life uh, as to how I ended up, uh, who, who I am, what I am, um, uh, what I'm pursuing, uh, what I uh, pursue on the side of what I'm pursuing. Uh, so little things like that. And I just feel that if I didn't do it this way, people would go, who is this guy? I, you know, this is not Alec Baldwin. This is not Mark Marin. This is not Joe Rogan. I should have started with Joe Rogan, whose podcast I, I highly, highly recommend. I just finished two or three podcasts this week, uh, the Rogan podcast, uh, Dan Aykroyd and Bill Burr was the two I listened to this week. It's just, I just love listening to the Joe Rogan podcast. So if you get a chance, give it a, give it a shout. It is, I, I mean, I don't need to, I don't need to tout um, Joe Rogan's podcast. He's doing just fine, but it really is just such a, a great podcast to listen to. So, but, um, you know, Joe, Joe was coming from the side of fame, and stand up and all that and and so I had to pick another route, um, and I figured let me win you guys over by telling you who I am. So that's that in a nutshell. 
Um, that's my thank you and my apology. And I once again, I will try to to you know to get them out a little bit more efficiently. I did send out two at a time recently. I sent out episode nine and ten in the same day. So uh, um, some of you people, you got to listen to episode nine. I got a lot of responses on episode ten, but. Episode 9 was a little bit tinier than episode 10, so go back to 9 to see if, uh, uh, if, you're, uh, if you missed anything or whatever. So um, let's talk a little bit about what's going on uh, in the last uh, three and a half weeks. Uh, I think I discussed the Rolling Stones with you that I went to see. Uh, Carmen, uh, my girlfriend, and I went to see the Rolling Stones at the Rose Bowl. Uh, that was August 22nd. That was our little anniversary, one-year anniversary together um, to Carmen. And uh, shout-out to Carmen for uh, for a year of putting up with me. So uh, that's that. And uh, we, had a, we had a blast. We went to see the Rolling Stones, and uh, I made sure she brushed up on her Rolling Stones music. Uh, so that I so that I wouldn't be <laughs> listening to her tap me on the shoulder and go, what song is this? What song is this? That kind of stuff. So that was a fun night. We had a blast, and uh, I think that's uh, and then and then uh, let's get to uh, football. Football. Let's talk a little bit about the NFL. NFL is is already interesting. Um, definitely. Definitely a little bit out of control with uh, with the amount of penalties being called. It's pretty much, I would say, every 1.25 plays, there's a flag thrown. It's getting that bad. It's really getting ridiculous with the uh, penalty flags. So that's something that I'm sure they're going to be working out the kinks in the uh, offseason next year because this is ridiculous uh, watching football. Every Almost every play is a, uh, is a flag. So um, it's an interesting year with the uh, uh, passing, pass interference calls and the, uh, the challenge calls that the coaches can make on uh, calls that were never called for pass interference. It's an interesting concept, and it should have probably done some good. Uh, obviously, this was all the inception from what happened last year with the famous uh, no call in the uh, playoff game. Uh, Rams versus Saints, in which the Saints uh, were supposed to go to the Super Bowl, but uh, were viciously robbed by a ref who literally, literally was standing right where it happened, where the call happened. So that's uh, why they put this new call in, and uh, we'll see. We'll see how that works out. So far, uh, the the flag calling in the NFL is is beyond insane right now. Uh, let's talk about some teams. My Green Bay Packers lo- are looking good. I've been a, uh, a staunch Aaron Rodgers fan for years, and it's good to see that Aaron has a defense now um, uh, in the team. You know, Green Bay has a nice defense. I think they're going to. Uh, I think they're really going to give a beating to the Denver Broncos in about eight hours, um, seven and a half hours. Uh, I think they're gonna. I think I like Denver. I like Green Bay big time in this game. Uh, I think Joe Flacco is one of the most boring quarterbacks to watch in the NFL, and I think the Green Bay defense is gonna have a field day with him. So that's that's where I'm at on that. I think another good game 
today is going to be Cleveland Browns, uh, Los Angeles Rams coming to the Cleveland Browns. That's going to be an interesting test for Cleveland to see if they have any kind of game this year. And we'll see. Got great receivers and a pretty good uh, uh, quarterback, um, Baker Mayfield. But uh, we'll see. Uh, my personal opinion in that game, eh, I'm going to lean towards uh, the Rams in this game. Um, Seattle, I think, is going to be a, a tough team this year. I think they're going to be good. I like Seattle today as well. Uh, I forgot who they're playing, but I, I remember going. I like Seattle. And I like Kansas City today and uh, Arizona and San Francisco, if I remember correctly. Uh, I don't gamble. Um, used to gamble, but I gave that stuff up. But uh, normally, as a gambler, I would never mention six games like the way I just mentioned. A true gambler is going to play one, maybe two games in the morning and one, maybe two games in the afternoon. A true gambler who knows what he's doing will usually keep it to like one or two games for the day. That's how you can... That's how you gamble. You, you play six games in football or five games. I see people on Instagram talking about how, you know, this team, this team. If you bet more than two, three, three games in a day, you, there's no way you'll win. There's just no way. You'll, you'll never, never win that way. Uh, I have spoken to professional gamblers my whole life, and uh, they all tell you... Uh, uh, you can't, you're impossible to win if you bet five, six games. Um, and it's funny because these professional gamblers are gamblers that are living in their car. No, I'm kidding. But, um, okay, so sad to see. Oh, and, uh, let's see. Let's, with regard to sad to see, let's talk about the New York Jets and the New York Giants. These are two teams that are just going to have a rough go this year. I'm saying Jets and Giants combined, combined will win 10, uh, oof, may, maybe uh, nine, anywhere from 9 to 11 games. Uh, I don't think you're going to get more than four, four games to five games each team. That's my opinion. Um, it's, just, it's just sad. Every year, these poor New Yorkers, um, they, they get behind a team that, that the owners of the team spend no money they don't put up any money to create a, a, a team that's going to do some good. They, it just doesn't happen. You know, you look at the Yankees, uh, went over, won 101 games so far, and a very good chance going to win the World Series this year. Very, very, I think it's going to be tough, but uh, uh, like anything else. But I think you might see the, the Yankees at the finish line this year. Um, what happens with the Yankees? They spend money. They spend money. That's why the Yankees win. They spend money. Um, they went through a couple of years where it wasn't happening or whatever. They spend money. That's it. Bottom line. They get the talent. They get uh, the hitters. They, they work on the pitching. It, it's just, you look at the New York Jets every year and it, nothing, nothing happens. The Jets have not had a legitimate, legitimate quarterback in I, 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 I want to say, I'm embarrassed to say this because I know some people would fight this and go, what about Sanchez taking them to the playoffs? All right, whatever. They had a pretty good 
team back then. Okay, Mark Sanchez, in my opinion, was not exactly uh, Joe Namath. We'll leave it at that. I'm, I'm giving him, and that, that's giving him credit by saying that statement. Um, but the Jets, I, I don't think they had a, a quarterback since, and, and, and this was not even an amazing quarterback. I'm going to say Richard Todd. And most of you people are going to go, who? Richard Todd, who? Richard Todd was their quarterback in the late 70s, early 80s, if I remember correctly, if I'm getting the time frame. But, yeah, it should be around that time. I was about 18, I think, at that time, 17, 18. Um, it, it's this when they had Mark Gastineau on the team and the sack exchange. This team is just just ridiculous, just ridiculous. Uh their defense, I think, uh, could be good. but um, And then you go to the Giants. Let's cross over the board. Now you go to the Giants. It, it, it's enough already with Eli Manning. It's enough. you got to call it a day. It's enough. Uh, it, it just looks like a deer in the headlights, most plays. So that's the story with that. I say the two teams combined uh, I'm going to go uh, nine and a half to 11 games, I, I, I would say. I, I cannot see how these two teams are going to win six and six. I, I, I do not see how any of these two teams will put six, six wins on the board, each, each of them. Um, I think it's going to be a five and 11 season for both. I really do. If they, if they win five games. If they win five games. So that's where I'm at on this. And, of course, it's nice to see the Patriots. Patriots hysterical they're 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 the last two games they're they're winning but their last two games they are they were favored by 18 and a half against the dolphins and now they're 21 point favorites tomorrow 21 point favorites tomorrow today later on eight nine hours from now against the jets do you do you people fathom what that means in the NFL to lay 21 points. Now, I'm a former gambler, and I, I, I know this stuff. And do you, do you understand what, it, what it's like to, to, to take 21 points against another team? It, it, it's mind-boggling. It's almost it's insane to think you can lose with 21 points. And yet, they will get killed tomorrow. They will get destroyed. Uh, later on today. Uh, prediction in that game, um, 38-7, 38-3, And that's that. I don't know who the Giants are playing. I can't think. The Giants are playing. I can't think who they're playing. Um, but once again, uh, take the other team. And that's it. That's all. Um, uh, sorry to see uh, Drew Brees went under the knife for... Uh, for uh, to repair his throwing arm thumb, I guess he blew the ligaments out on the thumb, and sorry to see that. Uh, that's gonna really that's gonna really hurt New Orleans uh, season, as they will lose tomorrow, uh, today, whatever you want to call it, Sunday uh, against the uh, Seattle Seahawks. So that's that with that, and Ben Roethlisberger, Big Ben, who I think is getting closer and closer and closer to retirement as the injuries, you know, accumulate. This time he is um, headed, uh, I, think, I think he had surgery on the triceps, uh, on his uh, elbow. So either he tore a tricep or something which attaches near the elbow. Um, 
or he he did something. He did something on the elbow, but I know there was elbow surgery so on his throwing hand. So it, I think there's a guy who's definitely getting to the finish line pretty soon. So we'll, we shall see. Um, and uh, I think that's it for covering the NFL. I think I covered everything I want um, to talk about. And, you know, we got baseball coming and uh, Yankees and Houston and Atlanta and the Dodgers and I'm trying to think of the other, uh, I think, what am I missing, Minnesota or something? I can't remember. Um, it's just, uh, it's it's getting, it's going to get good now. I can't watch baseball. I cannot watch a regular season game. I, just, I can't sit through a regular season game uh, in baseball. I would have to take up knitting uh, to watch a regular season game. Playoffs I can watch. Playoffs I can get into. It's, uh, it's just something about the, 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 the chill in the air, uh, uh, watching you know, a, a game. There's a chill in the air at the stadium. It's, it's nighttime. Uh, 60,000 people are there for the playoffs. It's, then it's fun. But to sit through game 71 uh, for three hours, uh, I, I, I can't do it. I'd, I would have to take knitting up. I would have to sit on the bed or the couch and uh, 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 knit, knit a sweater. So it's the only way I could do it. Um, all right, so that's where where we're at. Um, like I said a little while ago on my apology and my thank you and everything, uh, I did some thinking after my, uh, let's see, after my 10th episode, um, I did some thinking when I finished the 10th episode and I published it, I was a little bit upset with myself that I didn't, I felt that I breezed through my two-year stint at State University of New York at Brockport very quickly. And I said, you know something, when I do episode 11, I'm going to talk a little bit about um, I'm going to go backwards a little bit, and I'm going to talk about Brockport, because Brockport was a very important thing to me. Um, it was my first time away from home, like, you know, not, I had done sleepaway camp in summer of 1980 uh, at uh, Campo Cuego, which I think we spoke about, I think I spoke with you guys about that when I was a waiter, and and Fat Man was bringing me a uh, uh, pound of pot, uh, and it was just insane. But I had been away from home that for that period of time, for two months. But this was going to be 450 miles northwest of my parents' apartment where we grew up in Queens. And this was a whole different ball game. This was a, a whole different thing. I'm going to school, and it, it was just a whole different thing. But I think I breezed through it a little bit too quickly because obviously I'm trying to get through things so that I can bring you guys up to date to where where my life really, really starts to get interesting. And unfortunately, it starts to get real interesting. Uh, May of 1987. So you guys are going to have to wait till May of 87, which is only about probably two more um, podcasts. So stay with me, and then you'll see what happens when... Uh, when I graduate college and move into Manhattan, and uh, that's when that's when you're going to really get a kick out of uh, out of uh, these stories that I have for you. So um, I just want to give Brockport a little bit more credence, and um, 
I still I still have recurring dreams about being uh, about going to Brockport, uh, upstate New York, and I, I I have to get credits. I'm missing credits, and uh, and then sometimes I catch myself in the dream and I go, wait a second, I'm a friggin' doctor in Los Angeles. Uh, I've been a chiropractor for 21 years. What am I up? What am I doing here? This is what's going on in the dream. I'm actually saying this to myself as I'm in a dorm room with a, 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 a faceless roommate. And I'm like, why am I here? And I think I know why I'm there. I think I'm, a lot of my dreams always take me back to when I was 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, anywhere in that range. As I mentioned in episode two, I, I began to suffer uh, with depression and uh, mental irregularities and mental health, uh, um, uh, what's the word, um, uh, issues um, at around 16. And later on, I ended up doing a lot of homework on diet and exercise and certain things uh, that literature would end up uh, coming my way and uh, how to deal with uh, depression and how certain things are diet-related and uh, ingestion of monosodium glutamates and this and that. And, you know, a lot of that's, this literature comes out in the late 80s, early 90s. But, um, you know, to this, to this day, uh, thank God I don't suffer with it uh, as bad. I have, you know, uh, some days that are better than others, of course, like every other human being. But... Um, this was a period in my life where I spent a lot of it depressed and a lot of it um, confused about who, who was I. And, I, um, and looking back on it, uh, in theory, um, I, I violated so much of the foods that you're not supposed to eat uh, if you're trying to get rid of anxiety and depression, there's a great book you should read. It's called The GAPS Diet, G-A-P-S Diet. And it talks about this. And, you know, unfortunately in 1982 or 81, 80, 79, uh, uh, 83, 84, um, we didn't have the, the literature that we have now uh, and the chemistry of the brain and how, the, uh, how foods um, dictate the chemistry of the brain through the blood-brain barrier and all this stuff. So um, it was something that uh, I keep having these recurring dreams that I'm going back to school, and I think it's because I spent so much time being depressed that I missed out on a lot of the fun times. I missed out on a lot of that um, you, don't get me wrong. I had a blast in Brockport. Uh, it was crazy. It was a blur. It was a, a, a drunken blur many, many an evening. But I was the kind of drinker that I would go out and party with guys on my dorm um, uh, and other people that I got to know. Um, but I was the guy who would run six miles before I drank with those people. Uh, I was the, that was, that was how I lived. I was the guy that made sure I was in the gym, uh, prior to going out at night. So uh, I think the reason I have these dreams is that I want to relive, um, what I feel I missed out on. 
Now, some of you are going to laugh at this, but I feel, and I've always told this to, to, to really close friends, and some of you are going to go, ah, oh, dude, nah, you, you don't want to be doing things like that, blah, blah, blah. But I was jealous. Now, stay with me on this. I was jealous of the people, friends of mine, that could um, uh, trip on LSD or uh, take or, or eat mushrooms and just have a blast with their, you know, just enjoy the trip and everything. Now, as what I might have spoken about in previous um, uh, podcasts is I, the furthest I ever came to any of that stuff was in my drug days with Fat Man was I, as I discussed with you guys, was Halloween 1980. I took a hit of mescaline, which to me, in hindsight, is just some bullshit chemicals uh, that are in some guy in a basement in Queens was making with a, a chemistry set, uh, you know. So uh, I never, I never took LSD. I never did mushrooms, and I was always jealous and envious of some of the friends I had up. At, remember, this is upstate New York in Brockport, that were that had the um, the fortitude of their brain to just enjoy it, not worry about it, let's do it, let's have a blast, let's do some shrooms and go to a Grateful Dead concert in Buffalo or they're playing in Rochester. Or uh, I had friends that used to go to cow fields and, and you know, trip on mushrooms and just lay in, the, you know, lay in the beautiful grasses of upstate New York. I mean, the scenery where I went to school was just exquisite up there. Upstate New York, to me, is one of the most beautiful places uh, on planet Earth uh, in the month of September and and a little bit in October. Once you go into November to May, May, November to like May, uh, not the prettiest place on the planet. Uh, pretty much uh, sub-zero weather and three and a half feet of snow. But the month of September, there are very few places on the planet that are nicer than upstate New York. People always talk about Manhattan, Manhattan, Manhattan. Upstate New York is stunning. And uh, it is, it's just beautiful up there. I've often discussed uh, uh, with Carmen and uh, uh, some other people about, believe it or not, buying a uh, a quote-unquote summer uh, place in upstate New York. And the beauty about upstate New York is you can buy a summer home for like $110,000 in, in Brockport or you know, some of these other places in, in upstate. It's, it's $110,000. It's, it's, it's insane. And we're talking like these are two, three-bedroom homes. So it's just a nice place to, uh, a nice place to live. And as a matter of fact, I think Bill Murray lives in upstate New York these days. I think he uh, officially did the upstate thing. So, um, so I just wanted to just, just give Brockport its credence. I had a blast there. It was, it was amazing. Uh, very shortly, we're going to take a tiny break uh, free. I got a new couple of new sponsors. I guess my, my numbers are good enough that I have a, a couple of uh, new sponsors. So I was very surprised. So we're going to take a tiny break. Then I'm going to come back, talk a little bit about Brockport. And, um, and then we're going to go from there. So now a word from our sponsor. And, I, and you'll find out who this is very shortly. All right. 
I'll say it one more time, and now a word from our sponsor. And we are back. So, um, so yes, the recurrent dreams, I know why they're doing it. I know why my brain is doing it. I feel like I deprive myself of the fun that you're supposed to have uh, in, in, um, in college. Uh, it doesn't mean you're supposed to become a junkie uh, with drugs, but there was a certain kind of fun that I watched some people do uh, in in college, and uh, I had sort of stops. I have stopped smoking pot when I was in Brockport, um, all because of depression and the stuff I was going through. And I would drink and you know uh, have a blast and get drunk and all that. But I I wasn't smoking pot anymore. Um, it was just it, it was just too much for me. That I was uh, fear of losing control. Uh, I've done a lot of homework on myself uh, to get myself to where I am now uh, in the stable mind and everything. Um, and I knew what my issues were. My issues were fear of losing control. Uh, I was afraid of of not having control while taking mushrooms. Now, I had a blast on mescaline uh, with Fat Man and, and, all my, and my friend Lenny, uh, who I did mescaline with, and Dan was with me, uh, my old friends from Queens, when we were running around with, uh, with, with Fat Man in, my, uh, in his car back then. I had a blast, so I was not one who had the quote-unquote bad trip. I had a, a lot of fun. So... Um, but I, I was afraid. I was afraid, and and I was always envious of people that were like, yeah, we're you know gonna go. See, we saw the dead the other night, and we ate mushrooms, and oh, it was amazing, man. And so and so did two hits of acid, and uh, we found them sleeping on a lawn in but in a suburbs in Buffalo. It was a true story, actually, of somebody I knew that the cops had to come and uh, pick up. He was tripping on LSD, and, and, and some people found this guy on a lawn uh, in some guy's house in, in Buffalo. But uh, I was always fascinated with that, and that people could do that and you know not be afraid that they would lose control and lose their mind and all that stuff. But uh, it was just something that I definitely... Um, went through and I put myself through it. It was all mind fucking. It was all a mind fucking, but I put myself through it and I chose to uh to beat myself up and punish myself and that's why I tend to have these dreams that bring me back to uh being uh 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, anywhere in that range. So, but I do want to say Brockport was a blast. It was it was so much fun. The first year I was in McLean Hall and I'm just doing this Cliff Notes version with you guys. 
the first year I was in, I was in McLean, McLean Hall, my roommate was Toby Walters. We had a blast. It was so much fun. Um, it, was, it was like camp with a couple of classes during the daytime. That's really what it was. It was camp with a few classes. And uh, I was thinking about one of my friends the other day, uh, the third string quarterback for for Brockport, who lived two doors, two or three doors down from me in my, on my dorm in McLean, Kevin Snyder, who was from Lansing, Ithaca, and uh, he passed away four years ago. It's already four years already, and um, man, I think about him uh, more than I would expect to. Um, just that he's gone now, and I think he passed. I think he was, yeah, he was my age, fifty-one, and. Uh, I just think about all the fun nights we all had. Me, him, Kevin, Kevin Snyder, Toby Walters, Scott Moyer, Keith Montante. Uh, just so many crazy nights. This is freshman year, and I slowly ventured out. There was some other people that, uh, as I mentioned, I was friends with Michael Weiss, Doug Nybloom, uh, Ronnie Blitz, a few other people that I got to know. They were in other dorms and... Um, and I was still craving a relationship with Laurie Rausch, who was in Cortland, SUNY Cortland, uh, I think uh, two and a half hours away by Greyhound. And um, I even went to her, her campus once. Uh, they held a yearly festival, and I uh, went to that festival with a bunch of guys. Um, it was just, it was a blast. And I, to this day, I think that uh, my old friend Dan, who was at Oneonta and also was, happened to be at that festival, and we were friends at this time, uh, I believe that he slept with her. Uh, he denies it. Uh, he'll deny it to the grave, but I think they slept together. So uh, um, I, I remember hearing a story that, uh, oh, no, we slept head to toe, you know. I, something happened, but whatever. That's neither here nor there. But... Um, I just remember, I remember hooking up with Dan at, in Cortland and uh, seeing Lori. I, I, I can't remember what happened, and I can't remember why I didn't sleep uh, uh, in her dorm. In other words, oh, that's right, I, 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 there was something. There was either a boyfriend or something. Some, there's a weird story to that because I would have thought that... Uh, that we would have been together. Uh, we had dated a little bit in the summer of 1982, and that's when we saw Officer and a Gentleman together. And uh, that was, uh, that was uh, 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 an interesting, interesting time. So I can't remember the chronology of how that happened, but I, I, something tells me that I, I do remember running into Dan there, and I just have a feeling that he ended up uh, sleeping with uh, Lori, um, and that, that was something that always, always sort of like uh, got under my craws. I was like, uh, you know, man, did, did this guy double cross me again for the ninety fifth time? Uh, this has been going on since childhood, uh, some form of double crossing, and uh, but it was what it was, and you know, we're all grown men, and uh, and uh, he's got to take it as it happens, and. Um, but little things like that, uh, going to going to Oneonta to see Dan and Len, because Dan and Len went to uh, Lenny went to Oneonta together for the first uh, year or two years, and then Dan transferred to University of Miami, 
And I would even go and visit Dan in Miami uh, and hang with him down there. And uh, it was it was really just a just a crazy. Um, it was a it was a good freshman year. Freshman year was interesting. I even went to Kevin Snyder's parents' house in Lansing, Ithaca, for the weekend. Uh, he was like uh, Jew boy. He called me. He used to call me Jew boy. One of the few people I would let that happen to. But uh, from, but uh, where he was like, come on, let's go get a, a real meal at my mother and father's house. And uh, I think that was a two-hour drive, if I remember correctly. Uh, and we hung out for the weekend in Lansing, Ithaca. And you know, now he's gone. And uh, but I think about it, and I just did not touch on a lot of this. In Brock, uh, in the last episode, and it bothered me when I when I finished uh, uh, the episode. Um, I think about uh, the crazy nights at Canal Side Pub, which, by the way, is still there. I actually saw it a few years back when I went to Brockport. Uh, I went to Brockport. Oh my God! I, uh, when did I go to Brockport? I went to Brockport. Wow! I think I went. 10 years ago or something. I can't remember. I got to figure that one out. But I went to Brockport um, and hung out there for the, for the weekend. And I uh, saw that Canal Side Pub was still there. And this is a place where I would get destroyed drunk on a Friday and Saturday night. Just drinking pitcher after pitcher. And it was like a dollar fifty a pitcher. And we would just get hammered. And there was no driving or anything. We would, all of us, 300 people would be walking back to the dorm at 2 o'clock in the morning, uh, or their respective dorms. It was just, or we'd go to the Brockport Diner for a burger. And, you know, that's if I could bum $3 off of somebody. It was just crazy, absolutely crazy, the deficiency of money and the deprivation of money I, I was going through. I, I, it's another thing that just destroys me in my dreams my uh, deprivation of money in the dreams when I, that I have. So um, uh, when I'm up at Brockport. Um, and then, then there was a night that a bunch of us decided to get into a car and drive to Syracuse, which was 81 miles, and we went to see The Who. We went to see uh, Roger Daltrey and Townsend and... Uh, I think Keith Moon was gone by then, if I remember correctly. I have to check that out. But, uh, yeah, we went to see The Who at the Carrier Dome. And then we went to a couple of pubs after. And and some of us got misplaced. And we had to all figure out how we were going to get back to Brockport. And it just, there were crazy nights. There was a lot of crazy, crazy nights. And I didn't give it enough credit. And then there was... Um, a girl that uh, lived in the next hall over Thompson Hall. Her name was Jody. She was a uh, she was f- seven uh, eight seven and a half years older than me. Six six years, nineteen fifty eight. She was six years older than me. Uh, beautiful girl from Schenectady, uh, Albany. She was a Ford model who decided to give up modeling to become uh, get a to get a degree, and she was. You know, she was, uh, she and I hit it off, and she, she was six years older than me, and she really, how can I say this in the nicest way, she educated me uh, sexually a lot different than um, what I was used to. I was an 18-year-old kid, 
um, who had been used to, you know, maybe having a little bit of sex with girls my age, you know, being queens and uh, girls that I knew, maybe uh, one or two from Brockport so far in freshman year. And here's a girl who's six years older than me, 24 years old, and she basically, you know, uh, woke me up to a lot of uh, interesting sexual stuff. So I often think about her, that, you know, whatever happened to her, and I have tried so many times to get in touch, and I cannot find her for the life of me. But um, she was a very cool girl. I do remember years later, years later, I'm walking on the street in Manhattan, I was doing some modeling then and all that. I had my modeling portfolio, and I was dressed up nice. And sure enough, I see her in the street in Manhattan. And she goes, look at you. Look at you. You, you, you. you told me you wanted to get into this, and you had aspirations. And look at you strutting the streets, looking sharp. And it was just it was amazing. It was so nice to, uh, to catch up with her on the street. And this was like 1988. This is probably... Uh, uh, six years uh, after, uh, four years after I left the school. But let me get back to this. So I had a little situation going on with her, um, and she was in the next hall over. So, you know, I would go there 12.30 at night, or I think back then Letterman, I think, was on at 12.30, and I'd watch, you know, Letterman with her, and uh, it was just, I don't know, it was just an innocent thing, an innocent time, and... and uh, Ah oh, man, I miss, I miss taking advantage of some of the opportunities that that might have come along. I don't, I don't necessarily mean from her or sexually or something, but I do think about those things. I do think, uh, I do think I should have had maybe more girlfriends in in school in college, my first and second year. Um, uh, we'll get to the second year in a second, and. I just think that I, I, I always think that I should have done things a little bit differently, just a little bit different. I don't know. I guess there was also a shy part to me. And, um, and I guess I didn't love myself. I didn't, I didn't have a great liking for myself. I was, you know, uh, battling this depression and nobody knew about it. And I always played the clown and the funny guy and all this, but I was battling. I was battling hard back then, really hard, really hard. Um, but uh, now we'll go to year two in uh, Brockport. Uh, I come back to school. Uh, as I mentioned, I was on academic probation my first uh, semester uh, in 82, and I ended up getting my grades up. So now I'm back for year two. And year two, pretty much the same stuff, you know, complete financial ruin and deprivation, no money, uh, never any money in my pocket. And looking back, that was my fault. I should have gotten a friggin' job waiting tables one, two nights a week at the Brockport Diner, delivering pizza, although I didn't have a car, which would have been rough, but something, uh, maybe a company, maybe a pizza company had their own car or something. I, I, I don't know, but... I work in a movie theater. I, I think about this and I hit myself in the forehead and go, schmuck, how did you not have a job? So little things like that just blow my mind. And, um, and I wish I could do it all over again and do it the right way. And uh, so year two, um, I started 
uh, at the end of year one and the middle of year one, you know, I had that, that friend of mine, Michael Weiss, and I would yell to him on the strand from my window, my bedroom window in the dorm. Um, uh, so Michael was coming from his dorm, which at the time I believe was Benedict Dobson Hall, which was, I don't know, maybe 200 yards from my hall. And, um, where I was, and I would go over there and hang out. A lot of the Long Island, uh, lower New York, as compared to upstate New York, um, would, for some reason, live there. I don't know why, but that was the case. So uh, I would, I would uh, go over there and hang out, and, you know, if I was coming back from the gym, I would stop off uh, 9 o'clock at night, uh, hang out with Mike and Doug, uh, Michael Weiss, Doug Nybloom, a couple of other people. And uh, these were all Long Island boys and uh, and girls that were there. And so it was, you know, it was a little bit more of my crowd because basically my dorm was, uh, my whole hall was upstate New York guys. It was, uh, you know, there was one guy, Tony Daniels, who was from Freeport, Long Island. But for the most part, everybody in my hall was from upstate New York. So it was just nice to running to, you know, be able to go over there and, you know, heading back to my dorm to take a shower and, you know, call it a night. And it was, um, it was, it was nice to just go over and hang out with Michael Weiss, who to me was one of the funnier guys that, uh, has entered, had been a part of my life. Um, and, uh, in hindsight, looking back and, uh, he's a very funny guy. So, um, I go over and hang with those guys, and I started to realize, you know, something. Maybe it's maybe I wouldn't mind living with some of these guys, you know. And so they, you know, uh, they had mentioned that they were leaving Benedict uh, Dobson Hall, and they were going to move to more uh, Mortimer Hall, uh, Mortimer Building, which was a twelve-story building. I can't believe that they had 12-story buildings in a college. I mean, in this day and age with suicide and all that, I, I cannot believe that they had that. Uh, but looking back, they nobody ever thought about that stuff. I mean, and I literally, we had, I lived on the eighth floor with these guys. I ended up in 84, 1980, no, I'm sorry, 1983, September of 83, I ended up living with these guys uh, on the eighth floor. It always blew my mind that there was no screen on the windows. In other words, it was literally open up the window, and you can put your hand out there, uh, out of the uh, out of the building. It just it always freaked me out. I, I have a fear of heights to begin with, and it always freaked me out that you just can jump. You can just jump right out. There was nothing to you know. You didn't have to open up a screen or cut a screen. There was nothing there. It was just a totally different time. How suicide or or, or these things didn't come up uh, in discussion of you know how we can secure? Should we put bars on these things? It was just amazing that this. You want to jump? Yeah, jump. It, it was it was ridiculous. I just never. I could never understand that. Um, so September of '83, me, Michael Weiss, Doug Nybloom, Ronnie Blitz. A guy by the name of George Conforti, um, who was a Golden Glove boxer, if I remember correctly. Uh, we all moved in 
And I think there was one more of us. I think, uh, oh, and Angel Rodriguez. Angel Rodriguez. So I lived with Angel, and then he moved out after uh, he got transferred to, he transferred to some friend's built room. And what happened was Doug Nybloom uh, had a girlfriend named Gina Pagano, and uh, she, was, she lived across the hall from us. So they basically took up in that room uh, and Michael Weiss decided to move into my my bedroom. So Michael Weiss and I shared a bedroom, and it was complete wildness in that room. The two of us were just just experimenting with comedy like nobody else. I mean, we were just uh, Letterman at nighttime, Carson at nighttime. Um, I can't even remember the, some of the shows, but uh, afterwards, I don't know if it was Tom Snyder or Costas. I can't remember who was on. But we were constantly, constantly trying to find the funny. We were constantly working on the funny. This was my, this was my uh, Laurel to Hardy. This was my Abbott to Costello. This was one of my Marx brothers. This was a guy that was going to take that journey with me for the rest of my life. Unfortunately, you know, we've had an interesting last 10 years, and I have reached out countless times, and I just I cannot do it anymore. But... Um, I can't keep reaching out uh, to, to, to develop a friendship that's just not there anymore. But that's another story, and I'll always have a place for Mike in uh, my memories and, and my heart as to, uh, you know, uh, a guy who knew what funny was so um, and helped me cultivate funny. So it, uh, it was a, a, a very good... Uh, uh, came into my life for a certain reason. So I guess we both came into each other's lives for a certain reason. But um, we just, it was a different, that was uh, Mortimer. And then on the fifth floor was a group of wild, wild guys living on the fifth floor. Uh, called, it was uh, Paulie Hoursberg, Michael Caraba. Uh, I can't even remember all the names of these guys, but... This was the party floor in the entire building. Everybody um, uh, conveyed, or, or what's the word when you, uh, when everybody converges? Everybody converged or converges. I can't remember the word that on the fifth floor of Mortimer. Um, that's where the craziness was. Uh, there was this party animal named Paulie. Paulie Alisberg, who was by far one of the wildest human beings I have ever met in my life. And um, he was, he just invited, he, ha he had a magnetic personality that just invited everybody into the, into the dorm. Everybody had to go see what was going on in the fifth floor Mortimer. These were the guys that were going to tell us where the action was tonight, who's, where the big parties were on campus, where the secret parties were. Uh, they, I can't explain it, but the fifth floor Mortimer Hall was, had to be the craziest hall in the entire college. It was just off the charts that what was going on there. But uh, nonetheless, it was great. And uh, uh, these were just amazing times, just an amazing times of hanging out with these people. And, and once again, feeling a little bit um, tight, meaning, wow, 
Look how loose Paulie is. Look how he can just, you know, go to a, a Grateful Dead concert and, and trip out and have a great time. And, wow, they're all doing mushrooms on the fifth floor tonight. And they're all doing LSD tonight. And they're all, uh, they, they got a keg in the bathroom, uh, some guy's bathtub. Uh, it, it, was, it was just uh, a looseness. And I, I was a little too tight. And I wish I wasn't. I wish I, I, w- I did so much crazy stuff before all of these guys um, when I was 14, 15, 16. And I, unfortunately, I grew out of it and I started having depression and, and that. But I grew out of that craziness with the drugs. I had done so much crazy stuff as a younger guy that I, uh, I don't know, I, 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 I think about it all the time. I wish I was, I wish I did those things with them. I wish I could, you know, uh, Facebook Messenger, these, a couple of these guys. And, hey, you remember that night we were tripping out at a, uh, at a uh, Grateful Dead show? Remember that night we ended up lost in, in the suburbs and uh, Rochester or something? And we had to hitch a ride, and we were tripping out, and the driver looked like a uh, bozo, the clown, because we were on ass. I, 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 I wish, but I know it sounds crazy, but I wish I had the temperament to do those things back then. And, uh, you know, it's almost like I'm calmer now to do those things. Uh, me and my brother, the other day, were talking about what it would be like to take mushrooms now, because... Um, Mushrooms now have become very interesting. There, there's therapeutic dosing and everything. And I have a patient of mine who's a very, very big uh, uh, in the mushroom uh, endorsement world. And he's like, no, no, Dean, it's totally different now. Uh, you should give it a shot. It's amazing now. It's a whole different ballgame. So it's just, it's just an interesting thing to, 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 to listen um, to. So that was... Uh, that was where I wanted to go with Brockport, and I'm going to leave you guys with this in about a minute, minute and a half. Um, finally, all of us, a few of us, it's about six or seven of us uh, in Mortimer, all decided, you know something, it's really cold here uh, in, uh, in Brockport. Uh, let's, let's, let's go where you know a lot of the Long Island people are going to college, which was University of Maryland. And uh, I just wanted to give Brockport its credence. Uh, I felt it was overlooked in my last podcast, episode 10. And I just wanted to give it its credence. So um, we're going to talk about uh, University of Maryland, which I end up going to with Michael Weiss and a few other people. Uh, Julie Ritter, Lori Wexler, a few other people, and we're going to go to University of Maryland in episode 12, and uh, it's going to get interesting, but I just felt that I shortchanged my stay at, um, at Brockport, and I wanted to convey it to you people and uh, uh, get a little bit more into the psyche. So that's where we're going to go in episode 12. This was episode 11, and... Um, I thank you guys for taking the ride with me, and uh, it's um, I'm having fun with this. It's a very cathartic experience to 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 do these things. It really is. But I'm having fun with it, and I will be in touch with you guys 
uh, sooner than later. I want to start doing two to three, maybe four of these a month now. So I will speak to you guys soon. Episode 12, this is episode 11. Episode 12 is going to be where I uh, enter uh, University of Maryland in 1984. And that's going to be some fun stuff as well. All right. Have a great Sunday and enjoy football.